we get excited by a lot of things, but there's nothing wrong with getting excited about his word. Amen. 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 If you can join me to the Old Testament book of Numbers, the 25th chapter. We'll be looking at verses 10 to 13. I will read those in your hearing, but we will be dealing with verses 1 to 13. As you're turning there, if you can help me announce this, telling your neighbor, zealous for God, what worship demands. Old Testament, Numbers 25, going to read verses 10 to 13, reading from the New Living Translation. If you're not there, please say, hold on. Did not hear that, though. Well, then if you're there, say, let's go. Well, let us journey together, hoping we arrive to the same conclusion. Then the Lord said to Moses, Peneus, son of Eleazar and grandson of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites by being as zealous among them as I was. So I stopped destroying all Israel as I had intended to do in my zealous anger. Now tell him that I am making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to the priesthood. For in his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. I would like to read verse 13 one more time. In this covenant, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to the priesthood. For his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. Zealous for God. What worship demands. We find ourselves here in this text seeing about a man named Peneus who has became a hero. But before we can get to the hero, we first need to know that there was a problem. And before we can get to the problem, we need to understand what the problem was. The problem shows there in the first verse that the Israelites played the harlot in some translations. Another translation says that they were given to sexual immorality. The problem is that they were doing what they were doing to please an idol god. The problem is here that God has already, because somebody say already, told them have no other gods before me. God has already set it up to them to let them know that I am a jealous God. And they had the nerve on their way to his promise. I'm going to say that one more time. Y'all see that? On their way to their promise, they wanted to break theirs. God has already promised them to give them the promised land. He's already said, I will give you peace and rest from your enemies. But they decided to become friends with the enemy. 
You heard that movie title, Sleeping with the Enemy? You know, nothing good comes being yoked or joined with the enemy. The Bible tells us that they joined or they were yoked with Baal of Peor. The Midianites, who they need to destroy, the Moabites, whom they need to destroy, God set them up and let them know, do not hang with them, do not be like them. I am going to make you a holy nation set apart. But they fell apart. Look what is zealous for God means I am zealous for him. Look here closely. God became angry because of their sin. Do you understand that just as God is zealous, he is, is zealous to be, the, the, some translations has that word to be jealous, a more clear translation means zeal, because the zeal here is an overwhelming passion that God had towards his people, and he had this passion in two ways. He had it towards them for love and also in anger. So just as great is his love towards us, so great can his anger be. We need to understand here that God has called us to be a holy nation. And if he has called us to be a holy nation, then we should show it in our zeal for him. And as God has called us to be holy as he is holy, he has set the example with his zeal towards us. Look what God has done. He has removed all of their enemies. He has blessed them on every side. He is leading them into the promised land. But while they're getting ready as Shittim to cross over into Jordan to make it into campground, they became restless. Has that been somebody here today? That you are waiting for your promise. You are waiting for your blessing. You are waiting for something good to come your way. And while you are waiting, you became restless. You couldn't just wait on it. You had to try to do something to make it come quickly. You want to do anything and everything that makes you feel good in the meantime. The The sad point of all of this, that there's no shortcut to success. You can try as you might and try as you will, but you cut corners, you still won't get what you want. You you need some help. Look closely here at this text. It says here that God spoke to Moses. This is something to catch on to because previously God stopped talking to him. He gave him instructions of what to do, but he wasn't talking to him. He's talking at him. You know there's a difference, right? When somebody talks to you, they want to have a relationship with you, they want to communicate with you, but when they talk at you, they say, I don't care what you want, you won't do what I say. What happened here? What happened here? Moses decided, as he got angry by the people, to hit the rock instead of doing what God told him to speak to the rock. And God told him, well, since you messed up, you're not going to make it to the promised land. And then he stopped talking to him. Beforehand, we read how Moses talked to God, man to man, as a friend. But when he sinned against God, God broke the relationship as it was. Tell your neighbor they didn't catch on. Sin breaks a relationship. Tell them one more time because they they got this kid the emphasis on sin breaks a relationship. So, So the people have been broken off because of the sin that has got within them. But tell somebody, but his mercy is great. 
So you see here, God said, Moses, I, I see what's going on. Can you, can you, can I talk to you for a moment? Gather the judges and have them remove this wickedness before me. 24,000 people died from this plague. The Bible in Numbers 25th chapter does not give us a very detailed account of what happened. We can gather some from some other writings that they might be have from biblical literature and also within the Psalms saying how they were given into sacrifices, that they were doing sexually immoral acts and they were given to an idol God. This is the first time Baal has been brought up in the Bible, but it won't be the last time. Every time Baal comes up, they acting up. We may not have an issue with Baal about a fertility God. Will I have a harvest of, cre- of, of crops? Will the sun shine or will I have a drought? But some of us dealing with how our hands get issued. You know that it's that only something green will solve it. Then when you got that itch, you got to find some scratch to make up for that. And sometimes we do anything and everything just to get some scratch. The problem is that Baal may not be our God, but we put trust in money. That's why even on the dollar bill they got in God, we trust. If somebody get us in, yes, I do. But we're trusting God for a dollar, but not trusting God for our salvation. Because think about it. When you put your faith in this dollar, you do anything and everything you can to get that bill. The boss says, show up on time. Yes, sir. Boss say, can you work overtime? Yes, sir. Boss say, I don't need you today, but I'll need you tomorrow. I'll be back. But God said, can you come and worship me? It's cold outside. Someone said, can you pray for me after my TV show? God says, can you open up your Bible? Wait a minute, I first need to eat. But if you think about it, look at Jesus. He was in the wilderness, no food, no water, weary and tired. But yet when he was tempted, he said, man survives. Not on bread alone, but on the word of God. He realized you worship only the Lord your God. He's pointing out that this is my priority. This is why I am living. Look at the similarity. The people of Israel were in the wilderness. And God was preparing them to cross. Jesus was in the wilderness. And God was preparing him for his ministry. But you got to realize that while you're going through, God is prepping you so you can make it through. But while they were going through and God was prepping them, they were falling through. And they didn't get back up. Because when sin wrecks you, it can destroy everything that you have. Look here, as God was zealous for them, his passion burns for them. His passion also burned with anger towards them. And he made a specific command that they remove those who committed those acts. And then he would be pleased. The passion of the Lord is to supersede our passions for anything else. They played the harlot with the Moabite women. They gave their hearts to the idols of the Moabites. Many of us have given our passions, our love, our attention to other things more than we have to God. Jesus says that you must love me more than your mother, your father, your brother, your wife, your children. 
I, I, I know it's hard for us to understand, but let me break it down to you. Many of, 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 of family members and loved ones, we talk about how this person is number one in my life, but we should correct that order and say they should be number two. God should be number one. Because if God is number one, they're going to feel like number one. Because when you know how to love God, then you know how to love who you're with. You, need, you know how to show them patience. You know how to show them mercy. You know how to show them what God is showing you because he's been so good to you. You say, Lord, let me be a blessing to somebody else. But when we give our pastors over to other things, it shows in our lives how we are mean towards other people. How we're impatient towards other people. We live in a competitive spirit that we want to compare and contrast. If you're not careful, that's what the enemy did. He says, I'm just as good as God. I'm going to place my throne above his. And you know what happened, right? He thought he was up, but he got cast down. So be careful when you're building up yourself. It's easier for you to knock yourself right back down. But when you have passion for the Lord, you'll be beware of the idols around you. Baal Peor satisfied the flesh. They were yoked. They were joined. You know what something is yoked. We don't use that terminology here because we're not farmers. We're not plantations. But something yoked meant they would put a yoke on similar animals. You would not yoke an ox with a donkey. Because one will be working at a different pace and one will be dragging the other and nothing will get done. You do not yoke two different animals. You yoke them together that are alike so that they can work together. The problem here is that the people of God were yoked with unpeople, with people who are not of God. You had those that was called a holy nation yoked with a heathen nation. And the problem is that you can't mix the two. Darkness and light do not mix. Holiness and unholiness does not mix. If I just want to be real simple, real clear for you. That's why there's a heaven and there's a hell. There's no in between. Jesus said, I'd rather you hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'm spewing you out. means this, that I'll make up your mind for you. You're either with me or you're against me. There's no in between. So if you're in between, that means you're out. And if you're out, you're out. So we have to be clear that God wants all of us, not part of us, because he gives all of himself. And then look here, as we are aware of idols, if you are aware of idols, then you will be aware how to remove idols. Look at Pinius. The text tells us that the judges were gathered together, and they were told to hang them or impale them, basically just to get rid of them and put them before the sun. And it seems like everything is done. And the people are bowed down and weeping and wailing before the Lord because of this great sin that has happened. But there happens to be a man that has no shame. He comes before Moses and the nation takes this Moabite woman into the tent. Not his tent, not somebody else's tent, not her tent, but the tent of God. 
Phineas sees this and he is caught up with passing indignation and righteous anger and said, how dare they defile my God? How dare they come before my God? And he's probably thinking, how does somebody let this crooked man squeak on by? Well, not before me. And it says he followed behind them. And he pierced them both with the spear. I, I, I don't want to get too graphic, but with your, but, but, but with your mind, imagination, imagine how they had to be positioned in order for them both to get pierced through the belly. All you got to do is look at verse 1. And they went into the temple before the Lord had no respect. But Peneus says, no, 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 no. I will remove this. Many of us need to realize that sometimes we allow, we allow idolatry to happen before us and we stay silent. We allow people to use our Lord's name in vain and we don't correct them. We allow people to lie to us and we just, just, just don't say nothing about it. We need to realize that if God demands holiness from me, that I need to have that same passion, that same desire and stand up for what is right. Pinius, Pinius was sitting there like everybody else. He could have just sat there and just say, well, maybe somebody else might take care of it. But no, there was a command from God to remove everything that was wicked from before him. And Pinius made up his mind that I must live for the Lord. Can you make up that mind for yourself to live for the Lord and remove whatever will cause you to stumble before him, to remove whatever is, is hatred before him, remove any apostasy things that will cause him to be upset and angered, to remove all those distractions. Penis made up his mind that the only way, the way to remove this is to kill it. There's some things in our house you need to get rid of. Some things we do in our lives we need to stop doing. And say, Lord, I'm dead to this, and I'm alive in you. Look what happened. When Peneus did this, the Bible tells us that God was pleased. And since God was pleased by this one man, he blessed the generation. And he says this. God says he was zealous for me as I was. Oh, can I be zealous for God? Zealous for God means when I see apostasy, when I see wayward's way, that I will do something to change it. I might write a letter to my congressman. I might tell somebody that this is not right. I will stand up and tell a dying world about a living Savior and let them know that you don't have to live a life like this. You can turn it over to the Lord. We need to realize that God will punish sin. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. Those who sow in sin will reap, but those who sow of the Spirit will reap a bountiful harvest. I'm telling you that we need to understand here that God will not be mocked. If you need a little bit of help, look at that Psalm 106. It talked about how the people got envy with Moses, saying how God talking to Moses, and I'm glad how God handled the situation. He opened up the earth to shut them up. The earth opened up and swaddled them. It's amazing how when you are doing what God wants you to do, how people that come against you, how they will stumble and fall. When you're doing what God has called you to do, they can't defeat you. 
When you're doing what God calls you to do, you have peace in your heart that you're not waking up, looking over your back, feeling wrecked with shame, wrecked with guilt, knowing that as many people are against you, you know God is standing with you. And my Bible says, with God for us, who can be against us? And so that's why I get excited and I got to be zealous for my God because he is my battle. He is my storm shout. He is my strength. He is my rock. He is my sword and shield. He is my all in all. Lord, God is my refuge. And so with that in mind, it reminds me that I don't have to live by this world because this world is going to be destroyed and I don't want to be destroyed with it. But I want to realize how I have a new body over in glory. So we see here that being zealous for God as penis will charge us and push us and urge us to remove. Tell your neighbor, remove all sin. Think about it for a moment. This Israelite did not care how he dishonored God. And the problem is, my brothers and sisters, the same goes for you and me. That many times we know we're dishonoring God, but we go ahead and do it anyway. I don't have to be a neurosurgeon to know how the brain works because I've done did it, so I've done the research. My brain already made up. I'm going to do it. I don't know it's wrong, but I'm going to enjoy doing it while I'm doing it. Already made up my mind. Mama told me, be in at this time and don't go back out. Hey, hey, I'll be back out. Meet me on the side of the house. I know how to sneak out. Already made up my mind. Already knew what mom and daddy said. But I knew what I wanted to do. Because it's going to make me feel good. We live in the same situation. How the enemy tricks us and defiles us to make us think that we can get away with doing what displeases God. But tell you never, God will not be mocked. Do you see here, right here, that they dare to test God and go into his temple? They dare to test God as God's preparing to cross over Jordan. God said, no, 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 not before me. I'm going to remove this mess. Do you, uh, have you ever had something spoil in your refrigerator? And it made you clean everything? Because you want to make sure you got everything that stank out. That's how we should be with sin. It stinks up everything. And we need to start fresh and clean it all up and remove it. Penis purged it. It said he made atonement for the people. And by him making atonement for the people, God made a covenant of peace with them. And this covenant of peace he made with him that he will be a perpetual priesthood. And by him being a perpetual priesthood, Phineas, the grandson of Aaron, he was a righteous man and called righteous by his faithfulness. I want you to see the parallel here of there's another priest who came to make atonement for our sins. And by him making atonement for our sins, we have been blessed to become a royal priesthood, to become a holy nation. This man himself came from the lineage of Aaron. All the way back to Adam. This man himself was not just a priest, but he was a king. In the order of Melchizedek, this man was born in a town called Bethlehem. Y'all know who I'm talking about. 
And this man lived in Nazareth. They say, could anything good come from Nazareth? This man was known to use a hammer and a nail to make some carpentry. Who would know that he, what he was using to build would be used to destroy him? This same man decided that I see the sin that's happening before my God. But while he was nailed to the cross, he said, my God, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Aren't you glad that there's someone that can stand in a gap for us when we're acting a fool, when we made up our mind to be out of our minds, when we decided that, God, I'm not going to be in your will, but I'm going to be out of your will. But the will of God is so good that his mercy, his covenant of peace sustain. Tell your neighbor that God keeps his promise. And since God keeps his promise that he has already made, in spite of you breaking it, God has a zeal. That he is full with compassion, that he's going to hold out his hand. And he'll hold out his hand to those who want to repent and turn from their wickedness. You understand, he had to kill those who are causing them to fall. All of them fell short. But God says, if you bend down to me, we find them bound down. And crying, facing the Lord. And God heard from heaven and he removed the sin from them. Do you not see that in the text? He removed the sin because Pinius made atonement. Do you understand that our life is wrecked with sin? What can wash away my sin? And nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jehovah, oh, precious, is the flow that makes me white as so no other fount. I'm nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus stopped us from falling in a desperate place. Nothing but the blood of Jesus stopped us from being destroyed to never see heaven. Nothing. But the blood of Jesus. So do you see what it demands from God to be zealous, to remove all sin from us, turn to the one who died for us and live for the one who now rose again and lives in us. Y'all got that? Remove all sin. Die to live again. Jesus has interceded on our behalf. He has made atonement for our sins to remove the punishment that God has destined for us. I just want to grab this to you and leave, I'll leave you alone. I just want to close out, you understand, between death and heaven. Death, we know that people mortally die, but those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't die. I know when you go to funerals and people talk about everybody, Going to heaven. But Jesus made it clear that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And, and he says this to Mary and Martha. He says, though they may die, yet they shall live because I am the resurrection and the life. So I want to point out to you that death means to be separated from God. Death means the absence of God. And, this, and the, punish for, the punishment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Tell your neighbor, the gift of God is eternal life. 
What does it mean that it's a gift? It means you do not deserve it. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. But God freely gives it. He freely gives all who call on the name of the Lord. Say, Lord, I need your gift of salvation. I need your grace. I need your mercy because we can't make it without it. So don't leave this world dead. But leave this world alive by calling on the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Father, Lord, we come to you right now, God, thanking you. And you are holy, holy Lord, you are. And God, we realize that there's issues and situations and objects and even people we placed in our lives before you, God. Lord, we thank you for the conviction of your Holy Spirit speaking to us right now. God, we don't want to honor and please man, but we want to honor you. And Lord, we do not want to play the harlot with things that take us away from you. But Father, we want to kill, remove, and destroy anything that will cause us to sin against you, God. And, Lord, we want to honor your name with the fruit of our hands and the meditations of our heart and the words of our mouth, God. We, Lord, we want to take any thought that's not of you to bring it under subjection to the obedience of Christ, taking every imagination and down as a stronghold, almighty God, because our, our weaponry is not fleshable, but mighty in the power of you to tear down strongholds and bring them under subjection of your God. So, Lord, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you, Lord, that you made a covenant of peace with us. And now, Lord, we want to enter into your rest. We want to know your peace. We want to know your grace. We want to know your mercy. And, Father, we thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sin. Lord, there's someone here who has not confessed him. Lord, we pray right now that they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. Lord, we pray right now that they might come afterwards to the church and say, Lord, what must I do to be saved? And that we might be able to disciple them, we might be able to teach them, that we might be able to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We give you the glory, God. We give you the praise because it all belongs to you. And all God's children say amen. Oh, bless the Lord in this place. Can we praise God?